Welcome back to the Slurpcast. We had some technical difficulties on our last recording, but uh, we're getting wet and wild back here in episode. Wet and wild? God. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I forgot. I'm double booked. I have to leave now. Slurpcast, I think, is... I I think when you put wet and wild into it is when Mm -hmm. it goes from like, uh, this could be weird to, oh, it's weird. Uh, I don't, you are the last remaining bastion of people who went, this could be weird. It was weird. It was weird the whole fucking time. <laughs> no, I don't think it's necessarily weird until you explain what the idea of slurp cast is, because it still could be just about anything. <laughs> yeah, it could be about slushies. We all know. Mm-hmm. Listen, but here, on, <laughs> here on Watch Mojo's top 10 ICs or slurpees. There we go. Um, You're killing it, Cal. <laughs> week we've got uh, a moderately anonymous magic the gathering player dan how's it going hey what's up everybody uh excited to be here i don't know why i'm instantly doing the like streamy thing what's the up stream <laughs> intro <laughs> <laughs> you unlock this week i'm playing this uh yeah <laughs> you can find me on youtube etc yeah uh absolutely uh really happy to have you here i i was actually trying to think this morning when i was uh i went to go get my oil changed uh and i was listening to last month's episode and while we were listening to it i was kind of sitting there and i was like man when was the last time we had dan on and i really think it was like for the mlc last year maybe yes Uh, i think so it was i think mlc related it was a very long time ago yeah well we are changing that and you are here on the show um, I'm the new co-host. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Slurpcast. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that Ian guy. <laughs> um, Ian, how was uh, vacation? You were oh, you were gone you know, the last week, catching catching some sun. Even though I still look like a Victorian ghost, and uh, <laughs> did you burn? That's the real. Question. I didn't, which is honestly for several days in Florida, very good for this white Irishman. So <laughs> I'm proud of you. Did you wear SPF? I did. I was rocking good. that seventy. Were, were nice. you nice and did you yeah. look like a? Did you have your like dad hat on that like came out? Uh, no, I was I was rocking the baseball. So so this is the new cheat I discovered: is you wear a baseball cap, and then depending on which way you're walking with the sun, you flip around the hat like a douchebag. <laughs> this is the hat that you found for baseball hats: is that you could wear it in more than one direction. <laughs> Yes, the sun's over and. here, guys. I got I got the fix. <laughs> no, but sun's legit, over this like, way. I was like, oh man, the sun's in the back of my neck so bad. I'm gonna burn. Whoosh, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Ash catching this bitch. <laughs> you really, you really, you really. That's your really life hacked that one. Yeah, I really <laughs> did life hack it yeah, for sure. Um, but honestly, the fact that once again I did not burn. Although it was my first time, uh, like being in Florida with tattoos, and I was definitely like, I understand what people mean about like the sun, like making them yeah. particularly hotter. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Like, I, I mean, I was applying a lot, but I was like, oh, okay. My like specifically the top of my dust skull and like the middle of fucking Kiki's face were just like, <laughs> and it wasn't burning; it was just hot. <laughs> it's I don't I don't know what it's like out in Philly for y'all, but here in Louisville. It is like the fucking surface of the sun right now. Oh, it yeah. It is miserably yeah. hot outside. Most it's like of a little summer, bit better than it's been, but yeah, most of the yeah. summer it is ungodly hot. Yeah. 
We've been like cave gremlins, just being like, ah, is it, oh, yeah, is it the clouds out? <laughs> Can we leave? <laughs> so the other day I left to, I, I had to go like get something from the store or whatever. I don't even remember what I left for. All I remember was it was 105 out and I got into my car and burnt the bottom of my thighs sitting down because the like leather in my car was just so fucking hot. I was just like, hey, uh, and in the, the the worst part about it is like we it would get humid like that in Lincoln, but yeah. the pollen it didn't have the pollen mm. issue, and so like Cassidy just sounds like she's dying, but it's just her asthma she can't breathe, so she's like going into work and they're like, "Are you sure you're okay? Do you like need to go home?" And she's like, "No, I'm fine. I just can't breathe." Like, <laughs> uh, uh, a signal of being fine. I, yeah, I just can't breathe. but uh, that's. That's what's going on out here. Uh, I, I've been trying to avoid it as much as possible in my way of avoiding that has been uh, replacing Crusader Kings 3 with Baldur's Gate 3, which heard has so many good things. About it's this so good. Everyone loves Ian, it. Ian, you yeah. need to get it and we can play it together. It'll be so much fucking fun. I don't um, have time, Kellen. <laughs> neither do I, but I figure it out. Um, do you know, we bought, I want to say, 12 games at Gen Con, and we've only just played more Ascension, <laughs> if anything else. I mean, do you need other games? Like <laughs> For what I spent? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, so we're here to do a CEDH power rankings for the month of Whoa. August. And before we get into it, I just need to put out a little bit of like I need to give some context to some of the like um things that have happened in this month because it's really hard to for specifically like chaos treasure series mm -hmm. uh the the last one that happened and uh potentially others uh it's kind of hard to take anything from some of these results because we did just catch two big cheaters mm. uh, at Chaos Treasure Series. And that has, it, it plays a lot into how these numbers are getting viewed. Uh, and yeah, so, like, like for me, yeah. I've been like, I don't know how I'm supposed to interpret this information mm. because uh, some of it is just being manipulated by people who have been cheating. So, uh, I want to give some context for mine is that I tried to use numbers as much as I can to inform my top 10, but where I felt uneasy about things, I let my gut kind of kick in and be like, this is where I feel like this. Fits. Um, yeah. I, I like as someone who wants, uh, you know, I, I'm releasing a video about it literally today, but. I played against both cheaters um, in that last chaos tournament, right? Like, so for anyone else who's in the pods with me, like it sucks, right? Like there are people who I know were eliminated because of them, right? So there could be several different decks up here at the top 16 and it kind of sucks that, uh, you know, I mean, I had to fight up from the loser's bracket just to like make top 16, right? Because I played against two God hands in a row, right? Uh, and it's, it's tough and it sucks that it's there and, it's something where we can go, okay, but like, let's look at all of the other available information and go from there and not worry about like what could have been because there's literally no way of telling that, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm like, it's, it's like when you have a, a bit of fruit slightly gone wrong, you eat around it, right? So like, yeah. that, 
that's what I'm doing is I slice those parts off of the information and I'm taking everything else and just running with that. Right. So Dan, in your video, you did this past week about how to uh, not cheat in a CEDH event. Um, when I saw, when I, yeah, when I saw the title of the video, I, I was literally like, Oh, this is going to be like a 30 second video of Dan yeah. just going, don't cheat. Like, <laughs> Uh, but, no, it's more like how to uh, like prevent other people from like cheating and getting yeah. it proliferated throughout the tournament. But uh, the SEO yeah. is better the other way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I totally respect the SEO grind. Um, uh, so let's let's just kind of start off here. Let's look at last month's top 10. Uh, let's look at our guest, Sam, who had Tyam and Winota as his honorable mention. Then at number 10, there was Tim Natana. Number nine was Dargo Thrasios. Eight was Magda Brazen Outlaw. Seven was Rog Sai. Six, Krark Sakashima, which is a favorite of guests so far. Yeah. Uh, five was Najila the Blade Blossom. Four was Thras Bruce Dawn Waker. Three was Sisei Weatherlight Captain. Two is Tim Necrom. And one is Tivit Seller of Secret. For my, my good co-host, Ian. Mm -hmm. uh your top 10 was don waker and tevish decks uh, just points at them uh number 10 was timna malcolm number nine was sisay witherlight captain eight rogsai seven dihada binder of wills six kinnan bonder prodigy five atraxa grand unifier four tiam luminous enigma three timna krom two najila and one tivet my top 10 was Nimrus as my honorable mention. Ten was Rogsai. Nine was Kinnan. Uh, eight was Sese. Seven was Dargo Thrasios. Six was Atraxa. Five was Tim Nakram. Four was Tyam. Three was Dawn Waker. Two was Dajila. And one was Tivit. So, uh, with that information, uh, let's go ahead and look at what our honorable mentions are for the month of August. And because you are our guest, Dan, uh, what is your honorable mention for this month? Okay, so great little note here about my honorable mention is that I forgot I needed one until right before we started recording. And that's when I noticed <laughs> that Ian's name on this call is moderately buttfart69. So my honorable mention is Winota. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that, that, that sums it up. Uh, Winota. Uh, Ian. What is your honorable mention? Uh, well, you know, I didn't actually pick an honorable mention, so I'm going to shit post here and say uh, Liberator versus Battlethopter. No questions. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> Liberator. Okay. Uh, my honorable mention for the month of August is Yuriko the Tiger Shadow. Uh, Yuriko just kind of keeps popping one. up. Yeah. Uh, and it's like not winning as much as I'd want it to, to put it in the top 10, but right. it's winning enough that I'm like, Hey, this should probably be on your radar because it's popping up. Uh, so Yuriko is my honorable mention for the month. Uh, kind of a trend of, for me of picking Nimrus, yeah. uh, like last month. So I've yeah. got like these, uh, you know, back, yeah, two back to back to mirror. Demir decks. I, I, Just wait for out, Italian, baby. <laughs> blue black is good. 
Um, it is. I mean, yeah, I think that's like I saw your Nimrus pick from last month and I agree with that as well. Like that's very solid honorable mention pick. I think that like the Demir decks are like I think Eureka is another really good pick for this month, too, because like there's a lot of really dedicated Eureka pilots. Yep. There's a lot of really good lines in the deck that are very devastating to the average uh, like deck and player. And I feel like if they're just like a couple of like really good toys away from being a much better mm-hmm. like color pie yeah. and simply Demir. I certainly yeah, agree with that for sure. So my, my number one pick is Malcolm Kedis because uh, it's best deck in the format and a top 16 with it. So that's where I'm going to leave my top 10 list for this week and uh, just kind of drop it there. Yeah. Okay. No, no notes. Good podcast. Uh, See you later, everybody. That's it. It was 12 minutes. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. Number 10 here, Dan. What is your number 10 for the month of August? For number 10, um, and a little precursor on my list as well, is that uh, I, I am not as tuned into the tournament scene as the two of you. I did like reference the EDH top 16 and stuff like that before I made this list. So it's like semi-science uh, involved, but this is more like my gut feeling. And I was also like looking up what sets were released and things like that over the last month to try to do some of this. So I think that you'll probably agree with this pick in particular, because this is also a deck that I'm not very high on. But my number 10 is Attracts a Grand Unifier. Okay. Tracks of Grand Unifier. What's your kind of thoughts with uh, where, where you have it, why you like it, why you maybe have it lower or higher or what, what have you? Atraxa, I think, like, it's not a deck that I like at all. And, like, the fact that I have it at 10, I think, speaks to the fact that I do, like, recognize that Atraxa is an incredibly powerful monster. It's a very good card, a very powerful magic card. I think seven is a ton, obviously, like, easy, very easy argument to make. But I think one of the, uh, like, more prime arguments that I would make is that being in four colors is tough. Being in those four colors is really tough because I think it's a four color pie that sort of lacks a really stern identity right now mm-hmm. in the meta. Like food chain is a solid outlet for this deck and for that win con, but I it's it's certainly not as powerful as other things you could be doing uh, in decks that have a more simplified mana base and sort of just play smoother than that. Yeah, well, the the one thing I love about Atraxa is that kind of does what Thrastimna does, but I do like that it has that inevitability in the command zone. Yeah. The biggest issue being, and this is something that Ian and I have talked about quite a bit on the podcast, is that building it in a good effective way seems to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um because like I've tried several builds of it. Uh I know the community has tried a lot of different builds of it and it's just like something doesn't quite click. Uh, yeah there's a lot of different ways that you can build out the 99 and i'm not sure that there's one super strong direction that's like oh clearly this is the best direction that we should be heading in yeah uh ian you're number Mm -hmm. 10 for the month of august you know it's i put bruce thrasios here um because we did have our wild pile variant make the top four of cookout right Mm -hmm. um which is still pretty recent. I know that, like, personally, I'm working to update Dawnmaker. Um, you know, I was talking about it with uh, some patrons who were uh, doing coaching with me, and it's basically like Dawnmaker's at a weird point where it, it's kind of like a control deck, or, like, think of it like blue-white control in Modern or Pioneer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where there's about 15 to 20 slots that, if they're not correctly targeting the metagame, uh, can take your deck from like a instant top 16 deck to a uh, I kind of got to fight through matchups that I shouldn't normally have to fight through. And then I'm in 
like any sort of bad variance basically kicks me out of it. Right. Right. Um, which is kind of how I felt what happened at cookout. Right. Um, and I know that the deck has to switch around, go a little bit faster, maybe lean a little bit more into dockside stuff for the Dawnmaker variant specifically. Mm -hmm. And I like what, uh, the wild pile list was doing in the fact that the format's getting bigger, right? We have payoffs like Atraxa and Tivit. And when you look at like Seedborn Thrasios, it just doesn't compare. And also mm -hmm. people treat it like it's an Adnos, which it's not even close to. And it's oftentimes worse than a single Atraxa resolution, right? Um, so with all that in mind, like I think going a little bit bigger with the deck is kind of important, but right now it's just not sitting well in the metagame in the current iteration. So I'm trying to spend a bit of work to adapt uh, the deck accordingly, but I also have two giant in-person tournaments in a row, and I'm not trying to take a deck that I think is a little raw to, yeah. to those tournaments, you mm -hmm. know? So... I, I understand uh, that's that's kind of where I've been like the last few weeks with like really brewing any new deck or trying a new deck is because yeah. I know that like SCG Columbus is this coming week. So I'm just right. like, well, I'm not playing either of them there. So I guess mm -hmm. I'm just going to not right. work on it. Well, that's yeah. the other thing, right? Yeah, I, I Festival of Nights literally tomorrow, which is, yeah. I guess, you, this past weekend when you hear this podcast. But uh, and then I have Columbus. Because you're hearing this in the future. <laughs> no, we're not doing this today. I know I'm wearing the Doctor Who shirt, but we can't go down the timeline. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the deck. I just think it it's a little awkwardly positioned at the moment, and I want to kind of yeah. make some adjustments. I think, again, to speak to the four-color thing that I was talking about, I think very strongly part of what that is for me is, like, what does green do in the CDH meta right now, especially in a four-color pile? And it's not a whole <laughs> lot. Like, it provides you with mana dorks, but, like, there's not I mean, a great like creature color green card like there is like yeah. or mnemonic betrayal or something like that to really want to pull you in or yeah i mean the the real answer is like it tutors for dockside right yeah like exactly is, like you have really good yeah. creature tutors and that's like the strongest thing by far that it does right yeah. now but mm -hmm. there are other ways to do like black does that anyway already <laughs> right okay. right yeah I, I will argue that green has a lot of redundancy with that you know what i mean it's very true yeah it, it does provide a lot of redundancy yeah uh, my number 10 for the month of August is it's continuing the downward slide is to say whether like captain down two spots from last month uh, still a deck that I think is very good uh, has a decent amount of top 16s over the last three months uh, maybe not as many as some other decks but like it's got a pretty good uh number of making top 16s its ability to convert those is not great uh i think again this comes back to something we said last month where it's a deck you really have to know inside and out and if you don't then you're gonna mm. you know have a time with it um but overall, I think it's still well positioned. I still think it is the uh, best toolbox deck in the format. And I think it is able to go into a lot of different pods and play completely differently uh, into all of those pods, which is probably one of the things that I think is one of the biggest strengths to the deck is its ability to pivot onto different lines very quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, for sure. But overall, I just well, it's I feel like the, the biggest strength of the deck is actually the ability to uh, sort of layer its wins. Right. Like, yeah, well, I, I don't I don't know, depending on the version, because I've definitely mm -hmm. seen people 
pivot very hard into the toolbox aspect of the deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the the nature in which it can win out of not out of nowhere, right? Because like you can see that it has a board state, but the different layers of the wins when you can you know respond to a win on top of a win, like that right. type of stuff. When you get the engine going, is is sort of where its strengths lie but it also depends on you know people's ability to be able to lead when that's happening and also you know the other way around people can then just go okay well i'm just never gonna let them have anything which is not how you should be playing it but whatever (laughs) yeah It, it it's a good deck it's just one of those decks that I feel like got really popular really fast blew up and then it's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit uh, so I, I don't think it's in a place that it like it shouldn't be in the top 10, but I do think it's come it probably at a place now where I feel like it's a little bit more reasonable overall. Uh, moving on up, moving on down the line. Uh, <laughs> Dan, what is your number nine for the month of August? Uh, and number nine, I got the Bruce Tarl and Thrasios piles, uh, not necessarily just Dawn Waker. I know that other people are like playing more aggressive piles with like intuition and breach and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there's definitely a lot of merits to that color pie. Um, Jeskai is a great color pie. But again, like what does green do for you? Not a whole lot. But I think green does a lot more for that deck than it does uh, for similar like green plus pile decks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thrash Bruce is really solid it's a deck i've never played even though it feels like Likewise. a deck that i would it's a very you deck for yeah sure. uh i've just i've never played it and i think it's because of my like it's red uh <laughs> number nine what for you Ian? For lightning bolt though number nine uh i have a traxa on here uh it's i don't know Atraxa is one of those decks where it's like it does well we talked about it already. You, you kind of like summarized it pretty well when you mentioned it earlier. I think it's like it does the thing. It shows up. We've had a little bit of trouble like perfecting the list as as Dan kind of talked about. Right. Um, I think the the like what is what makes green sexy, right? Like what is the best thing about green? And, and for me, the biggest downside of Atraxa is that it just doesn't use green well at all. Right. Yeah. Um, and the people who are like building these like very green heavy attraction decks, I'm like, where, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, I think just the idea of like, okay, here we have these, these green decks and it's basically Tivit with a splash of green. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks that like, okay, you worldly two to turn one for maybe a Lotho. And like, that's probably one of the best worldly tutor payoffs, but in a deck that's green where you kind of don't even want to play a worldly tutor, like, that that's kind of cringe. I don't know. <laughs> like that's a lot. Yeah. So maybe this is controversial, but I think Worldly Tutor is so bad now. Like I don't mm. think that in almost any deck that can play it, I don't think it is worth replacing your draw with a Worldly I, Tutor. I think with Dockside specifically, that is the only card that I'm ever excited about. Yeah. Or or Seaborn Muse, depending on the deck. Um but like that's you described how I feel about Mystical Tutor. I I have mm-hmm. cut Mystical Tutor from yeah, like same uh a significant portion of my decks like even ones that have like basically unless i'm playing adnaz i've i've looked at cutting mystical tutor <laughs> and, and, and especially in decks draw in a lot of decks mm-hmm. in, in a lot of mm-hmm. decks like what ian and i play too where we play some of these more controlly decks what mm-hmm. am i mystical tutoring for like genuinely yeah. like i'm not getting anything that's gonna win the game it's like exactly only like it's so rarely situations. a win con unless i am like loaded up on board yeah mm-hmm. um 
So it's I I think what we're seeing is some of those cards are getting re like some of those staply cards are starting to get reevaluated as the yeah. meta kind of gets more evolved and grows. Yep. Um, my number nine for the month of August is I didn't have it last month, but I do have it this month is Dahada Binder of Wills. Uh, actually just picked up a Dahada so that I can potentially try the deck. Um. Mardu Summer, baby. Uh, it 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 has a conversion rate that I think is deceiving. Uh, it has a twenty one point seven four conversion rate, which sounds good until you put it through the lens of in the last. And this is in the last three months. Until you put it through the lens of it's only been played twenty three times in that. Yeah, and so. Five of those have been like the same person a couple times. So uh it it it's like five top sixteens is great for that number, but like it's a small sample size. I do think mm-hmm. it's very strong as a deck. So this yeah. is where I'm like my intuition is just kind of like, I think this is still a good deck. Um yeah. but I do think that there is some people who think it's like one of the top three best decks, and I'm just like, okay, pump your brakes, friend. Like it's it's good. It's not great. Yeah. Like it's yeah. It's certainly not infallible. Yeah. So I, I was interested in talking about this uh, specifically because it's actually fallen off my list completely. Yeah. Um, and because of the fact that like literally, I think Zane tweeted today, who is like one of the I think he made the deck in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like this version of the deck. He was literally like, yeah, after playing Rocks, I don't know why I would go back to Dihada. And it's like, okay, like uh, if if the person who's like fronting this deck uh, is is kind of expressing that notion, then maybe that might be a thought worth considering. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> I think, I mean, I mean, you can look at like a lot of the social media hype around the deck and it's like, yeah. it's cool to play the deck. Yeah. And that's, I think, part of the appeal. But yeah, mm-hmm. like if you were like, I want to play three colors and I want to go fast and I want to win a lot. Why not just play Rocks? instead? Yeah. I, I do think there I mean, is you've been kind of saying that for a while, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I do think there is the, the the draw I do see it, which is why I have it at nine, is yeah. you get access to white and white has some of the best protection spells that you yeah. can yeah. access. Silence to. is dope, right? So like, silence, grand abolisher, mural, uh, you know, all of those cards are very good. Um and I think even Tide Taker and that, that type of yeah, deck, right? Like, like yeah. super solid. So it's one of those things where I think white is enough of a reason for me to be like okay if you don't want to play the blue interaction side of it and you just want to go burr i get it you have some protection i like it i think it's good enough to be in the top 10 not better than some other decks uh moving on to number eight dan or yeah dan what is your number eight uh, so is number it, eight, I've got Rograx Silas. Okay, it's not Magda because if it was Magda, it was going to be the third guest in a row who had Magda at number eight. Um, no, I <laughs> I respect Magda, but not in that way. Thank Same. you. Same. <laughs> so Rograx no, Silas. Um, Rograx Silas traditionally a deck uh, that I'm not a super big fan of. I don't really like Rog variants of really any deck. I think that Rog mm-hmm. tends to pull you in an awkward direction where like you want to play the culling the weak effects and you also want to play fierce uh, your fierce guardianships etc mm-hmm. but it's like you only get to really utilize one of those super well 
it's so funny hearing that. Sorry, sorry to cut you off the den, but it's so funny hearing that conversation because like we were having this debate uh, like when I was because I was originally part of the original like collaborative primer for Rogsai, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a debate that has been happening since that original concept before anyone <laughs> for like, two I got the years. first top result with this deck ever. And it was like we were having that debate on that day. Right. So like it's the fact that even to this day that there is still like a yes, this is the contradiction of playing this deck. Truly, yes, it is like that exist. When you yeah. look at everything in the list, it all comes down to that sort of like main contention point of like we're yeah. being pulled in two different directions here by wanting to do both of these things. Um, yeah. But like, you know, as a lifelong Kess player, as a, a Kess stand for all the years that I've been playing CDH, I can recognize the faster, stronger deck. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Rock'sai, I think a pretty great deck. It takes a dedicated pilot. It's not very good at transitioning to top 16s and taking tournament wins. I guess it's yeah. pretty good at taking top 16s. Much less it's good at good getting good in inning to the top 16. But uh, yeah. it, it, it um, takes taken over Winota's spot as like the guaranteed top 16 deck, right? Yeah. But like definitely has uh fail to convert a decent amount of times yeah and i think like once we get up towards the top end of the list and we'll see the difference in like the colors and the kinds of decks that we're talking about and the things that we're saying about them i think yeah like rockside very deservedly in the top 10 but not in the top five yeah i also have it at number eight that's kind of my uh my look at it is it hey guys i moved it up one chill uh <laughs> zane got his win in a very favorable pod, in a very favorable me- meta to that deck. <laughs> so I'm giving it the credit that it deserves of moving it up. But let's also, this is, this was the thing that I know, and listen, Rogside players, listen, I know I'm living rent free in your head because I see your tweets and I need to let you know, here's the reality of it. Your, your deck is fine. It's just it, it it's it's okay that it's not the best deck in the format. It's fine. It doesn't need to be the best deck in the format. It's okay. Listen, my favorite deck is called Art and Cron, and it's not the best deck in the format. That's fine. Like it doesn't need to be the best deck. The reality of it is is that it struggles to convert. Yes, you got to win. That's fine. That doesn't negate the fact that you are still having the same issues. Yeah, you had you had a good run. That's great. Yeah, as we move towards um, these know, like big creature metas, it's really easy for decks that are just like I'm good at being fast and aggressive to like yeah. sort of slip up there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's listen. Tim Tebow got to an AFC Championship game. That doesn't mean that Tim Tebow is a great f- quarterback. All right. It's but for the record, cool, you do cool think that Rogsai is a fine deck. Yeah, we do. Time. We do think it's fine okay. deck. But but I know I'm living rent free in. Are you in your plurality at this point? Is that? Is I'm what? just trying to get Cal to get themselves canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's not hard. Cal, Cal is now multiple <laughs> beings in one, according to Cal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ian, what is your yes. number eight? Uh, my number eight is uh, K Daddy himself, Kenrith the Return King. Um, hey. <laughs> so yeah, Kenrith. I mean, it's been doing well lately. Multiple pilots have made top sixteen with it. Um, it is perhaps the most boring deck I can possibly think of at the current moment. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, at least Najila has Samit nowadays. Like, Kenrith is just like, all right, so it's a bad Thrasios, but you can play a creature combo and you can play Adnaz. (laughs) 
like I, I don't know. I used to like maybe it's just so me it's being such a an evangelical magic deck. Like, it, it, like I just that's a good I, way I'm to describe it. I'm rumor about it too because I was like Kenrith used to be interesting. They used to play stacks creatures, or you could play birthing pod. But nowadays, everyone's just like, yeah, we'll play Anaz and we'll play Bad Thrasios, and for some reason, it keeps working. So, um, shout out to Just Ice for. Uh, doing another, I picked up this deck the day before a tournament and top sixteen with it with this kind of also new, also new patron justice. Thanks for uh, subscribing, friend. Um, yeah, it's it's an evangelical magic deck. That's how I describe it. It's boring. It has it's yeah. it's you know like very I, conservative. I, I love Kenrith. I I do like. I think it's such a cool card. I think there's so many cool things you can do with it. But I just feel like it's being built in the most boring way possible. And it might be the correct way to build it. But God, it puts me to sleep. Yeah, that's it's yeah, it's certainly not very sexy. It's not doing anything novel at this point, I think, especially. Yeah. 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 Uh, number seven for you, Dan. What is your number seven for the month of August? Uh, at number seven, I've got Dargothras slash Rogthras. Um, and the reason I put Rogthras on there is not for the poly tyrant list, but I don't know if any of y'all uh, are followers Black. of yeah, Sam Black. Sam Black has been posting about uh, his Rogsai list, which is uh, using okay. yeah not using rog as a polymorph target but just as a creature combo deck and like actually fully utilizing rug rack to like caspier's guardianship and uh deflecting swatch of their full potential um i think that it's uh i like that it's a little bit of a cleaner mana base than some of the four color piles and i mm-hmm, think yeah. that it is like generally a sort of underexplored area and where we could be in the teamer yeah. color pie because i think teamer is like a generally very strong grouping yeah. of colors like overall in magic in cdh i think it is sort of underpowered because it is underexplored um but yeah i think there's a lot that could be done potentially with mm-hmm. that and especially like as we continue to go on and get more toys for mm-hmm. it yeah and i think also like worth mentioning uh the polytyrant version has had more top results than it has in a while recently so like yeah. that is also it's also a very good that. deck yeah like mm-hmm. neil forming dargo into uh the tie spot tyrant it's a very good plan oh yeah 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 well, yeah. the, I mean, the Dargo Thrasios build, like the Rog Thrasios, I think, uh, agreed, uh, it's always been traditionally extremely underexplored as someone who's been working the Dawnwaker server a lot. Like, the, it's like the, because it's, I think it's the most, uh, it's the least exciting, right, version mm-hmm. of it, but it's probably like one of the cleanest. Um, but as, yeah, as the Dargo version, I mean, honestly, like the consistency with that deck is is pretty crazy. And I've definitely yeah. thought about picking it up recently because uh, Freedom's making it look real easy to, to I, uh, that deck. I, I definitely didn't buy this for anything related this is a training grounds definitely didn't buy it for anything related to no, that no, that'd be crazy. i mean yeah. as someone who no, means no. big brick shit house in the command zone like having a big brick shit house in the command zone is a really fucking good b plan yeah no, yeah for sure turns out uh ian what's your number seven my number seven callan thank you so much for asking is uh dark with yes <laughs> hey <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah no i mean so like the reason it's not higher is because it's like it's Manila Midget and Freedom, and mm-hmm. they're the only people really actually putting up results with this list. Um, but Freedom Waffles taking people to a clinic with this deck, and it's been pretty good. And uh, it's kind of doing everything I, I'm frustrated that Don Waker isn't doing right now. In the I think I said that me. before, where it's like it's like yeah. Don Waker but faster. Um, yeah, and and I think Don Waker can adapt to be closer to it, right? And and to be taking advantage of the things it's missing on. But I think it's positioned really well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like if you're if you're scratching for Thrasios, I feel like it's probably the place to go. Yeah, I think arguably the best Thrasios deck at the moment because again, yeah. to talk about very cards that are not sexy at all, Thrasios is one of them. R.I.P. I hate to say. Listen, 
listen. <laughs> you watch your tone there, Dan. <laughs> I, hey, Thrash I started great. out playing Flash Hulk and Kess. Those are my two, like, yeah, yeah. my interest to CDH, and I will stand them always, but I am also here to say that Thrasios is not no, the card right. that it was in 2016 yeah. or 2018. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Uh, my number seven here is Tyem Luminous Enigma, down three mm. spots. Uh, I feel like I saw it kind of take a nosedive this past month, results-wise. Mm. Um, it has been one of the things that I've noticed the most with it is that the pilots who aren't the brothers and the pilots who aren't the like people who have done really well on it uh, do fine with it. Like it's fine. I still think that the dedicated pilots like give it the oomph that it deserves. And I think what that shows is that there is potential there for if you dedicate to it, you can have wicked success with it. Um, But I do think, again, it's a lot like Kinnon. It's a lot like Sisse. It's a lot like those decks that you really got to learn inside and out in order Mm. to get their full retail value out of them. And I think to their credit, like Tuka has absolutely learned that deck inside and out knows the deck very well. But with that being said, I feel like when people who don't know the deck super well pick it up, it doesn't do as well as you want it to be. I mean, um, I mean literally in, in the deck tech I had on my channel about Tyam to go and or no, I had Pixel on, but Pixel was like, yeah, this is probably the most hard to pilot deck and magic like period yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's just been, it's genuinely like, so yeah, difficult yeah. and there's so yeah. many decision trees in the deck that like i can understand just straight up from decision fatigue that it's a difficult deck to play in a tournament yeah yeah right like imagine like there's i, I i've played it a couple of times because i had it sleeved up for a while and i was just like it, it it's either doing the thing and well i also i'm not a big fan of a deck that like dies to a single board wipe right so like that nature of it kind of disturbs me a little bit mm. but at, at the same time like I, I just genuinely think it's uh it's it's a deck that is extremely strong when it gets the engine working um but it just it leaves so many moments for failure it's the same reason why i never brought oscar to a tournament right yeah. oscar mm. was extremely powerful it was a very very good deck but what i kept running into was the fact that uh you would have to like do the things where you like stacked every single spell you wanted to cast and at the end step with necropotence and you had to determine the order as you were discarding them. Right. So at that point it was like, Oh wait, no, I have to like, or maybe not, I think necrolasia was the one you had to do that with, but either way, like you had to like s- sequence your ordering perfectly. Right. And it was like, okay, this, this is, is too much insanely thought. difficult and so yeah. easy to mess up at a tournament. Right. Like yeah. I literally messed up a line the other day where I almost punted my, my first win of the, of the chaos tournament because I, I didn't fetch for Magdo at the wrong time. And I was like, Oh my God, I just realized this as I was going to my turn. Right. And it's like those little micro decisions can mess you up. So like if you're playing a deck that requires a thousand of those and it's like, um, maybe let's not, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, going up to number six, Dan, what do you got here at number six and number six? I got time. Hey, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a really strong deck. Um, it's one of those decks I have in the category of decks that I don't quite understand. Like it and Sisse, yes. there are enough different ways to like go about piloting it that I'm never yeah. quite sure what is happening. And that's like, that's totally on me. I could study those deck lists harder, <laughs> but um, I think it's a genuinely strong deck. And like we said, like it's, it's basically, it's up to the good pilots. It's an easy mm-hmm. deck to, t- to pilot poorly. And it is a very difficult deck to pilot well, but when you can do it well, it's really good. I, I need to just take a moment to, 
point out what this chuckle fuck is doing on our podcast. He's eating a sandwich. That's Just fine. Eating a full a little chew it in the mic. What 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 type of sandwich you got there, friend? Uh, I got a Reuben, but it's a it's a gluten free, dairy free one. So you know, because that's my life now. What's the dairy that's normally in a Reuben? Uh, cheese. cheese. Oh right, yeah. of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about the sauerkraut. I forgot about the cheese. Also, sometimes the Russian dressing does have dairy, but this one doesn't. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, okay. Ian, do you want to take a break? Um, <laughs> what do you have at number six? He clearly doesn't. He's trying to eat a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> He's like mid-mouthful. <laughs> at number six, I have Sisse. Uh, what hey, hey. Captain? I think Sisse is still really good. Uh, it's moved up a couple from my last month just because I, I mean, ironically, it's been played less, but I think that's probably actually better for the deck uh, because yeah. it, sometimes when people hear a deck is good, they just play it like we were talking about with Tyam and, and decks like that. Um, and this is one of those decks that I, I, you know, I tried making very, very clear when I did a deck tech on it um, is not simple <laughs> and uh, executing the lines correctly requires a lot of three steps ahead thinking. And I think people will love to like one or two step ahead. And they're like, yeah, I got this. I've mastered the deck. And you're like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm glad you got the dock side lines. Your opponents can figure out the dock side lines, but like <laughs> the other stuff is where you need to really like make those micro decisions. Right. Um, so it's, it is a good deck. It's very solid, very difficult to play, but um, when it does its thing, it's really strong. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. I, I, I think it's, it's tough because I feel so confident playing it. Right. But then at the same time, I don't know if people are going to hyper react to me playing mana dorks anymore, you know? So it's like, it's a weird one where I want to bring it to a tournament, but also I'm not sure where it's going to be. So, yeah, I get that. Uh, mm. it, I said this last month, I'm going to say it again. Uh, it, this is a deck that makes me really wish that they would ban Dockside so that people could turn their brains back on uh, mm -hmm. because people are just like, Oh, I get Dockside. It's fine. And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. what, what, what are you doing with the Dockside mana though? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. sure. You've got all that mana. What's the plan? And this deck dies if Dockside dies, I think, to be yeah, honest. 100%. <laughs> or, or not like dies, dies, but like it gets a pretty bad shot in the leg. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure it drops several points on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, my number six is actually Kenrith. Uh, I didn't have it on my list before. I do now. Uh, I do think that some of its recent success is helping it a lot. Uh, but it is also a deck that I have kind of just looked over in general because it's again it's pretty boring it's a christian deck yeah it, it's the mike pence of magic decks it's about <laughs> as boring as you can possibly be um alex hire is rolling over <laughs> in his alive grave <laughs> it is but but like that's how i feel about it is it's like mike pence is like the most boring cookie cutter christian person i could possibly imagine and that's what kenrith is is it's just like yep that's good good that's yep that's you got it um and so i it, kenrith is good i don't know that i think it's a top five deck but it's good uh so i have a year at number six number five for you mr uh moderately anonymous uh and number five i got so say and again just okay <laughs> Me and Ian just going tit for tat at this point. Um, but yeah, it's a great deck. Has a lot of really good options to it. Difficult to pilot. Um, but again, I think, I, I guess I'm sort of basing these on like, not necessarily would I suggest someone take this to a tournament, but rather like, I think like in a vacuum, where is this deck at in the meta right now? And I think that Sisay like has enough options and can play well enough and like perform the sort of like game actions that 
um, that properly circumvent a lot of really uh, common interaction in the meta right now, where I think it's like a very well-positioned deck. Uh, very well-positioned might be a strong uh, way to put yeah. it, but I think it's a very good deck. Yeah. Uh, Ian, do you, do you want to finish your bite? Do you need me to vamp for a little bit? Um, no, you're fine. Okay. Um, I'm taking these at appropriate times. You're just giving me shit for it, so I'm okay. enjoying my chew. Um, <laughs> no, you're number five, Ian, uh, for the yeah. month of August. I have Rogsai. Rogsai. Um, all right. I know all the all the cows of the world are gonna hate me for it, but uh, <laughs> I no, I I think Rogsai is actually extremely strong. Um, yeah. I think it's if you can call a deck a guaranteed top sixteen deck, it's a good deck, right? Like mm-hmm. it sucks that it can't turn the corner, but like there's a reason I do top 16 breakdowns on my channel. Right. And it's not because they're like easy decks to do is because it is, especially in, in live events in in-person events, it is hard to make a top 16. Right. Mm-hmm. And if a deck is going to capitalize upon every mistake your opponents make, if it's going to, you know, take the knees out from your opponents, like if it's going to turn the corner and actually put pressure on your opponents consistently over and over again, uh, and and make every single mistake they have in a format where you have to assume people are going to make mistakes, right? Uh, if you're going to take advantage of that, it's a deck to do it. And um, you know, as you were mentioning, Cal, like with Zane's win in in that Surfside tournament, right? It's very indicative of the fact that there was a very greedy meta game being played. And you know who's a great deck to take advantage of stuff like that? The Rogsai. And you know what? Even if they play into a bad metagame, there's still a chance they made the top 16, right? right. Mm-hmm. So a deck like that that can completely hose one half of the metagame while on top of the fact that, that they can also be relatively consistent in a bad metagame probably means it's worth being up here at these top numbers. Right. Very solid yeah. reasoning. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, my number five is Dargo Thrasios. Uh, like I said before, it is one of those decks that I think is it's like Dawn Waker, but it can get up underneath uh, decks faster than Dawn Waker can. Uh, one of the things that I really like about it is if you sit down at a table and you go, oh, there's a bunch of other fast decks. It can also go fast. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something about it that is really cool. I love the the interactions with Dargo are really cool. And mm-hmm. I think the deck is just built in one of the most like, like I, I pulled up Freedom Waffles list and I looked at it and I was just like, I've, I, I genuinely am like, I, I have no notes. This is perfect. I have no notes on this deck. <laughs> like it's yeah. so well built. Um, it just huge like shout out to them because the deck just looks so good and I see it perform very well uh, in Freedom's hands and I see it perform well like i mean help spleen face put it together like i mean like it, it's everywhere so a uh, really good deck i'm a big fan of it i think it is going to continually get better uh mm-hmm. so Number four. Wow, my voice just cracked really hard there. Uh, number four, Dan, what do you have here? Uh, number four, I've got Kinnon Bonder Prodigy. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, just super solid deck. Um, creature activations are like one of the most unfuckwithable ways to make an <laughs> yep. action in CDH right now. Yep. Uh, and that deck capitalizes on that ability extremely well. Yep. 
It also mm-hmm. just makes all of the mana in the world. It's a very simple game plan and it acts itself very well. The thing that I don't really like about that deck, having played it in a couple of different iterations, is that the interaction is a little bit minimal for my liking. And sometimes it's a little bit wonky in the types of slots that people will choose to put in their deck. And, that, you know, that's again on. You like, don't like perplexing Chimera? <laughs> okay, so I played with Tyler a few weeks ago at Ian's house. And I had the full perplexing chimera and homeward path combo. And I was like, this is novel. This is good. Yeah. I get this. Yeah. But also, would I rather just play a better card than perplexing chimera? Yes. <laughs> it's I am I am the last standing member of the I play Kin infrequently team. And God, I will I'm doing my best to not play that stupid card. But honestly, I also played it the other day against it's or solid. I played against it when Wounded Satellite played it in the top 16. And I mm-hmm. was like, I am forced to counter this perplexing chimera. Yeah. F. <laughs> like, just, just a big F. I like, played with Satellite the week before he won uh, that yeah. tournament. And yeah, perplexing chimera was a constant threat. It's a very good card. It really warps the table, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. I hate that card so much. There are and many like, options I, in the world of magic. Well, the thing is, though, right? Like, it's like when you don't have Homeward Path, the card is just annoying, right? Yes. Uh, but when you do have Homeward Path, it's like, oh, it's a soft lock for the table. Cool. Exactly. That's and like, that's the kind of place I don't like to be is uh, in a position where this card is like good. But if anyone has a piece of removal, then it just sort of gets out of the way. Like, Dranth Magistrate is great because it's two mana. And if someone has a source to plowshares before they go off, fine. You probably yeah. have more mana and more options to be able to like do more things to be able to stop someone from really getting off. Right. But something like perplexing chimera, where it's like a turbo player can just sculpt their hand and be like, okay, well I'll cast this bullshit spell and then I'll get control of the chimera and then I'll cast my good spell. It's like, yeah, yeah. it gets a lot worse. Well, that's why I don't like seven managing attacks. It's the same thing, yeah. right? Cause the yeah. counter is whatever the first spell is every turn. It's like, okay. Great. Yeah. Things like that are just like, and it's not that it's like, it's annoying to play around. I guess I don't like things yeah. that are annoying to play around. I want things that are like, brutal to devastating yes. to impossible to play around yes yeah agreed super agreed ian you're number four for the month Finally, of August. moving out of the top three i have blue farm Chimnacron. Nice. yeah um it's obviously stupid good deck this isn't going to make top 16s um but there's so many people playing it and so few people actually hitting the top tables with it um and there's top 16s a lot, right? Um, and if you give it to someone like Koval, he's going to spank an entire tournament with it, mm-hmm. right? But, like, uh, it's it's turning out to be more of a skill-intensive deck than I think people thought. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Najila's kind of taking the place of, like, default good deck, I found. Like, a lot of the, like, people who are medium players uh, are just kind of going over and playing Najila instead of blue farm, which I found because you have a win count in the Kvanza. That's why that's the answer. Yeah. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Najila is better at idiot proofing itself. Yeah. Like uh, realistically speaking. And uh, I think blue farm can punish people for playing poorly and people are getting tired of being punished for playing poorly and they want to play poorly and win. So uh, <laughs> if that's not so the truest thing I've ever farm, heard in my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think blue farm is moving down. Um, I still like feel very confident that if I sleeved up blue farm brought to a tournament, I would have a very deep run with it because it's a really good deck. Right. Mm-hmm. But like it, uh, it definitely has its downsides. And I think Bowmasters really hurt that deck, uh, because they're forced to play it right to beat the other Bowmasters. but they're also really the only deck playing it nowadays. I found, uh, like there's like that, that card was extremely overhyped. It hit blue farm kind of hard. Whereas Najila's like, okay, sure. If I draw a card, which I do sometimes you can hit my warriors. Like, 
It's fine. I still have 17 warriors. Yeah. (laughs) They don't care. And then they're like, oh no, I guess I have to pivot to the turbo game plan. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? If only my deck wasn't just mana in, uh, what is it? Tutors. So yes, I I think it is, it has moved down a little bit. Yeah. I also have Tim Necrom at number four. Uh, Mm -hmm. it is moving up from where I had it last month at number five. And I Mm -hmm. think that's solely because, uh, the, I I do think it's better than Ty am. Uh, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there, there is that, uh, but I, I do think the big thing for me with Tim Necrom is I, we've been saying this for years on this channel, that Mm -hmm. the deck is not a turbo deck and you, you have to, we, we said this a little bit earlier on the show about thrash Bruce, where if your flex slots are off, um, the deck will just kind of lose. Tim mm-hmm. isn't quite that way because it doesn't have as many flex slots, but mm-hmm. it's still a very similar thing where if your read on the meta and your read on the steps to win the game and what tables are going to look like is off and you don't know how to navigate like different types of metagames, it's not a deck that is going to be consistently doing well for you. Um, and again, it's a control deck. I think there's a reason why pros took a look at it and said, oh, this is a control deck. And I'm inclined to agree with them because uh, the pro who calls it a control deck, who is having the most success with it, like, it, it, come on. Uh, so I, I have yeah. Tim Necrom at number four. Uh, let's look at bronze for you, Dan. What do you have there at? Number three, bronze. Yeah, the bronze. Uh, number three, I've actually August. got uh, Tim DeCrom, um, and for hey. a lot of the same reasons that y'all are talking about. And to go off of what you were talking about, Callahan, I do sincerely think that the biggest problem that this deck has, and the reason why people don't get as many wins with it, is because they are improperly assessing what kind of deck it is and how they should be playing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess to speak to a little bit what we're talking about with Rogsai, it's got the pieces of a turbo deck, which can be confusing to your brain when you're looking at sevens and you <laughs> can be thinking mm-hmm. like, well, these cast ad nauseum, so I should be going for that. But the real reason that you want to make five mana is so that you can cast Prom Ludovix Opus and start controlling the board and drawing cards. Yeah. Like yeah. people think about seeing Rite of Flame and Lion's Eye Diamond and they say, okay, this is right. a storm deck. But yeah, like you said, it is a control deck. It's meant to be played extremely patiently, which not a lot of CDH players like to do because it's legitimately difficult when you've got four players and every single turn, there's so many game actions. It's very hard to pick your moments correctly. You don't Um, want to just spend your game putting out fires. (laughs) (laughs) That deck in a vacuum, I think, is extremely strong, obviously. Like it just continues to do extremely well for obvious reasons um but yeah yeah, i think if people looked at it more as a control deck that finishes the game with intuition rather than they looked at it as an ad nauseum deck that has a backup plan of casting prom i think that people would do a lot better with it but again it takes a really patient and careful pilot people like brian koval who like to play control decks who like to sit on a brainstorm for 15 turns until they can get their perfect brainstorm uh fetch land off and things like that like it really requires a very patient hand to play correctly yeah yeah like i i think when you realize that final fortune is the best card in the deck i think you start to understand blue farm a lot better <laughs> i recently had is, a renaissance with uh final fortune where i was yeah. it finally unlocked in my brain i was like i understand why yeah. i want to play warriors oath yeah. and yeah. not just and final fortune like, uh, yeah well so for me it not was like in that deck 
Yeah, yeah. So so Warrior's Oath and like Last Chance, I think, are, are a different conversation. But like for me, Blue Farm, as you as you mentioned, it's explosive, but it's patient too, right? And like that's what I am bring up Final Fortune because it is one of those cards that allows you to go like, oop, you drop the shields. Yeah. Mine. Right. And that's it's insane how quick Blue Farm is one of those decks that can just capitalize on that window. Yep. But you're right. You do have to play the the waiting game a little bit for a while. Mm-hmm. You you get your value, you you stop one person, maybe stop two. You go, okay, now's my window. You're done. Right. Yeah. So. It it it's a deck that I personally think that it players across the board would mm-hmm. have a better experience with that deck if they took ad nauseum out of it. Uh because I think it is one of the cards that makes people play it incorrectly. Um, mm. I think if people took that card out and replaced it with, I don't know, just play Shieldred. I don't fucking know <laughs> anything. Honestly, it, though. Shieldred's really good, but like, Very powerful it's card. it's one of those things where I just keep pe- seeing people like, oh, I got a Turbo Nas, I got a Turbo Nas, and I just want to be like, just play it without Turbo Nas, and then you'll figure yep. it out, and then you could put the Nas back into it and then play it yeah. the same way. Yep. And I think that's is, probably the best way to practice betrayal, it. Uh, you're going to flip Ranger Captain of EOS. Like, there's a lot of three drops in that yeah. deck. It's not an yeah. easy Nas deck for sure. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, Ian, what do you have here at number three? Number three, I have Kinnon. Uh Hey, hey, Kinnon hey, has, me too. <laughs> nice. Kinnon has ascended the ranks. Uh, I think the deck's insane. Um, like, I, I was literally doing Hands of Sissé the other day, and, you know, just preparing for tournaments and stuff. And I guess this is going to come out after festival but it's the deck i'm bringing to festival um mm-hmm. i just keep like doing these opening hands where i'm like oh yeah okay like i start to get my sissy game plan online and it's like tutor proof and all that stuff and then i'm like okay but by this time with kinnon i've made eight mana and i've played a consecrated sphinx with a counterspell backup and yeah it's like I, this deck is fucking crazy right like i did the um the redemption event at cookout uh which was what happens if you got eliminated from the main tournament and you just missed the top 16 cut which i did uh and then so there's a redemption event that was like the next day and i just cleaned house with kinnon like my god that deck just able to pivot tutor your stuff out slam it down the battlefield just insane crazy crazy stuff and i just think it's so strong it's like crazy crazy strong and it explodes out of nowhere it is the fast it makes rog rack look like a slow deck when you get the kinnon hands that work well you have more consistent mana engines and then it like you don't have the adnaws right to like be the busted deck but like yeah you have the one ring you have consecrated sphinx you have your tyrants you have like all of these insane cards that just accrue value over and over again i mean like apart from najila it's probably the most consistent deck in the format uh if you look at top results like it's yep. it just keeps showing up there and it takes once again it's also one of those decks that is really difficult skill floor right we've talked about this a lot where it's like it has one of the lowest conversion rates for a reason because people who are bad with the deck are really bad with the deck that's <laughs> yeah, me i'm are... really bad with that deck <laughs> i've tried to play it on numerous occasions like i said and like yeah. i'm flipping land or else for seven mana every time but it's one of yeah, those things yeah. where like the one of the reasons why it's so great is because it simplifies your game plan if all mm. your hand does is make mana that's exactly what you want you don't need an action spell Kinnon is the action yeah. spell you've got your a to your b all right 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 and and so Kinnon is like I, I was talking about this with uh someone who is very good. I feel like it was Drake, maybe. I was, but the idea of like a plant and stick commander where you, you plant them and then they just do their thing. Sissé does the same thing, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like you cannot give them an opportunity to breathe, right? Uh, but like you also can't overreact to them or you throw the game to somebody else, right? right. And like it, the thing is they they stay on the battlefield. 
and they just do the thing over and over again and over and over again. And and you you can't afford to overreact to them because a lot of the time they're not doing the busted thing. But then the one time they do the busted thing, they untap and then they're winning, right? Yep. And it's like, oh crap. <laughs> like how did I get out tempoed by this, right? Like literally I played the other day against a person who was cheating with Najila and we spent most of that game dealing with Kinnon because they got outpaced because we were like, oh, we have to deal with this crazy Najila hand. And then Kinnon was like, ha ha ha, Seedborn Muse, one ring. We were like, oh, fuck, wait. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> and the deal was not the problem anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's wild. Uh, yeah, I, I so this has moved up six spots for me. Um, I did on Twitter. Like a few months ago, I did a where Cal was right, where Cal was wrong thing. And I, I'm willing to admit this is one of the things where I was wrong on. Uh, I, I think so glad that, I hit a short of this. Yeah, <laughs> accountability. I, I was wrong. It is much better than I have said it is. I still contend that it has uh-huh. it. Listen, as somebody who plays a lot of control, I don't find it as like bananas to play against as much because i'm like playing decks that kind of just always hate it kind of out of games Mm. so it's one of the things that i'm like worried about but it's more of a hey table let's not overreact to me and just hand the game to kinnon let's remember that kinnon has nine million mana on board and it's one of those things where it's more of an annoyance to me but i also recognize where it's really um Mm. And I've just I've played against so many people who over or underestimate that that deck. And they're just like, oh, what's the big deal? Uh, I just have a Kinnon in 14 mana dorks like it's fine. And it's just like, guys, come on, like, don't let the Kinnon stick around. I've been yelling this for years and it's just like it's wild. I the reason I know I've been yelling this for years is because before pandemic, we had a guy in our local meta who won our league uh, one month with Kinnon. And the next uh, like league season, he brought Kinnon again and people were still disrespecting the deck because he kind of fell ass backwards into winning the league. And I was just like, when are you going to learn your lesson? Like this is it, it's still really good. It's still going to finish really well. But at what point are you going to interact with the stack? And mm-hmm. it's just it, I know it doesn't feel good, but you sometimes you need to remove the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's just uh. I think it's one of those spaces where people can really undervalue tempo a lot, too, because like yep. Kinnon's not scary if it's got 14 dorks on board. It's scary if it's got Void Winner on board. Right. But like, yeah. no, that's <laughs> one transitions no, to the other extremely it, easily. It's into that, like, <laughs> yeah, no, like if you if you can just take them off of four mana on their next turn, like it's usually a pretty big hit if they have to recast yep. Kinnon or whatever it is like. Those tempo plays can honestly be a lot more devastating than yeah. people give the credit for. Yeah, that's why uh, I I really I've always enjoyed playing decks like Arden against uh, Kinnon because your deck just kind of hates on what that deck wants to be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like, oh, cool. Thank you for playing that dork. I would like to draw two cards, please. Um. <laughs> I would like to just pause to make a tangent on the episode yes. here for a second. Uh, the problems of living in a two content creator household, for example. Okay. Uh, I just uploaded my weekly video on Describe Babies. So nice. <laughs> I just want to throw that one out there. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Proud I of deleted you. it. Uh, but 
you know, I was like, huh, why is none of my information in the description? And I was like, well, I've uploaded it to the wrong channel. <laughs> These aren't my links at all. <laughs> yeah. So I've had yeah, that happen, but with just watching YouTube, because I don't only uh, run as an editor on the Scrybabies channel. I also do it for uh, some other channels. And so when I'm like uploading stuff for them, I won't think about it. And then I'll go browse YouTube like later on. I have done this and I'll be times. like, why are my recommendations all fucked up? And then I'll look up and I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't my YouTube account. Yeah, uh, I have a social media manager and I've done this many times. Why is YouTube <laughs> suggesting me like Pokemon lore videos? Yeah. Like, because uh, I'm not using my profile. Yeah. <laughs> oh I, I, I get, I get, I'll just be like, this is weird. Why am I getting this recommendation? I know I'm not subbed to this channel. And then I just look up and it's a different channel. I'm like, oh, well, that's the reason. Uh, sorry if I ruined your YouTube algorithm. <laughs> I'll like find myself watching a hip hop playlist and me like I am fucking up this woman's algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, see, see. Meanwhile, I I watch like CK three playthroughs, so it'll be like me watching like four hours of people doing like a r- certain run <laughs> in CK three, and then I'll recognize them on the wrong channel. I'm like, oops, oh, oops. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two for you, Dan. What do you have here at number two? Uh, number two, uh, luckily, I only play good decks, so this is one of my mains right now. Najila, I have at number okay. two. I was in the camp of being like, I'm going to just straight up put down Najila now that Orcish Bowmasters exist. Because in my mind, like, Sama being a new addition to the deck, I was like, this is what I've needed for this deck for so long. And then Orcish mm-hmm. Bowmasters got premiered like two weeks later. I was like, oh, existential yeah. crisis <laughs> moment. Um, but yes, I think it is showing up like inappropriately many decks now as it sort of should be in. Uh, mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. and it's far less devastating than i was anticipating but yeah it's yeah. simple game plan any like i love a simple game plan because it's not yeah. that i don't love to think hard about my magic I, my number one pick is a control deck but i love yeah. uh Najila just doing what she does having plenty of pivot points being able to adapt to a lot of different metas and just generally playing a lot of really good cards yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i also have Najila at number two uh it is very much a deck that I thought long and hard. I, I made a tweet about this uh, when after Mox Masters, where I was like, uh, or was it was it Mox Masters or what was the event that Najila won recently? Um, uh, Najila won Mox Masters. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yes. Also um, placed a second deck in Mox Masters August. Yeah. So uh, Najila is one of those things where I was like, all right, am I moving this up? Like blah blah blah. And I think mm-hmm. what it really came down to for me is. I want to see it do better at some in-person events, I think, before mm-hmm. I throw it up to number one. And my reasoning for that is this is where the cheating stuff has me kind of sus a little bit is because you see some people get these God hands and it's happening a questionable amount. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I'm not saying everybody's doing it. I don't think that is what's happening. But I do think there is probably some more people that need to get caught. Um, As a a close friend of mine, I will uh, prescribe you with this might be a case of classic Callahan paranoia. (laughs) There's a point in the fact that Jill is an extremely popular deck, right? So like just based on numbers, there's probably at least a couple cheaters who play Najila. I'm not trying to point fingers at any of the Najila players who are like topping these tournaments or anything. Yeah. 
players you're all a bunch of cheaters you heard it here from dan <laughs> i'm just saying by the numbers one of you has to be yeah and, and it's it's like listen <laughs> i play against pongo i i know that the deck just has a million and one ways to turn one nigella mm-hmm. but i do i i just i have yet to see it do like really really well at an in-person event and so that's where i kind of like okay i'd like to see it do better at some of these in-person uh, events I well, I think when you like cookout, look at the friend. other top decks in a lot of these yeah, tournaments, sure it was like, the top four cookout, my friend. It's no, kind of no. difficult for Najila to enact the main game plan at this point. I thought really hard about putting it at three because, like, when you look at the other top decks, like Kinnon, Tivit, and things like that, there's a lot of like really difficult creatures to try to push your Najila and warriors through. So on that angle, I like yeah, like I said, I was like very much thinking about putting it at three, but yeah. Number five, Punt City two, top four cookout. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, top four fishbowl. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, the fishbowl meta was, I, I, I'm just like that meta game is not the normal meta game. <laughs> uh, but um, top six, the Star City Baltimore. Like, it, it's it's placed at least one or two in top sixteen of every yeah. major in person. But again, like that's like what I would expect. I'm I'm talking about like winning the whole things. Like when it like gets like one or two where it wins yeah. all, a whole in person thing, I will feel more comfortable moving it up if that makes sense. Uh, just because of the fact where I'm just like, okay, there's some there's some stuff that's gone down, so I'm just a little sus. But Again, I'm not so sus that I'm like throwing it out of my top 10 or my top five. Still my number two. No, Um, I fully agree. It could win more tournaments. Yeah. It could be slightly better. Yeah. Ian, what do you have at number two? Well, Kelly, thank you for asking. At number two, I think we we have our ones and twos switched up. Uh, I have Tivit. Yep. Um, It's just, I I mean, I think we can all say we both have, well, all three of us have Tivit and Najila as our top two, right? Yeah, Tivit's Mm -hmm. my number one. Tivit's my number one. So, my my argument is that Najila has been doing better in the hands of more people yeah. at the current moment. So I think easy. that's also I've heard uh, mathematically speaking, you're very likely to have a turn one Najila and Samit in the opening hand. So <laughs> statistically speaking, it's really good. I mean, on no, that angle, like, I do agree that it definitely has that edge because you can just jeweled Lotus and play it like you can. You well, can play yes. a turn two Tibbet. Yeah. It is extremely difficult playing a turn three Tibbet is a lot more feasible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's a huge fucking difference between playing your aggressive commander yeah. on turn one and versus turn well, three. The two best, I, I think there are three best jeweled Lotus commanders in the format right now, right? Which is like Armix, Malcolm, and Najila, right? Mm-hmm. Like all three of them are just like jeweled mm-hmm. Lotus crack, have my commander, it's ready to go, guardianships align, all these things, right? Yeah. And it's very trivial, I think, to argue that Najila is by far the best of those options, yeah. right? Yeah. It of is literally a win con in a can, right? Yeah. So I think any game where you have. A, a mana crypt or a jewel lotus right it's gonna look insane because the deck's crazy right like it right. is crazy fast how how quickly that deck can move right like i mean most of my malcolm decks are built around getting down malcolm turn one mm-hmm. yeah and I, it is it is comically easy to do the same thing for Najila. so i don't it, you know it i think it's gonna look like it has the potential of exploding more and while yes we obviously had big tp be uh kicked out for cheating with that deck right i do think there have been so many different pilots yeah top 16 with this and and top fouring and we had one person who top forward that mox masters event and top forward cookout right mm-hmm. like there's just like crazy stuff or, or i'm pretty sure the person who won actually won uh, mox masters august and then top forward cookout so yeah. it's like 
it's really hard to argue that the deck's doing well. Memos had the craziest streak of oh, yeah. any player yeah. this year, right? Just with this one Very deck. fantastic pilot. Um, yeah, and it's just like, it's, it's I don't know. It's clearly the best deck in the format, in my opinion. And then Tivit is awesome. Tivit's super strong. I have no problem putting it up here in these top three. I don't think it's going to leave the top three anytime soon. And it's one of those decks that I play and I feel super consistent with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as of the past two tournaments, it's actually been surprisingly out. And who knows if that means, or I'm not out, right? It's still a bunch of top 16s, yeah. right? But uh, it hasn't made top four in mm-hmm. a hot minute. And that might just be because all the cheaters keep winning. But like, <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, and, and I mean, that's that's kind of my thing right now where August, I, th- that was kind of why I didn't want to move my one and two too much is because yeah. it's like that we had this all kind of come out and now I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I feel super comfortable making big sweeping changes to my like rankings because there's just so much that's been skewed by the fact that we've had cheaters doing this stuff. So Mm, it's like, I don't know how to parse that information of, Oh, well, if it hasn't made a top four in a minute, well, why is that? And so it's like, and I think you do have to try and like untangle that to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it's, I and I, and like, I respect your decision. I think your decision makes total sense. I'm so, like mm-hmm. for mine, it was one of those things where it's like, I want to wait and see how the meta shakes out. Um, sure. And it's just a, I, I think Tivit's still really good. I think Najila is still really good. I think you can interchange them, uh, mm-hmm. but it's just, can, can people just stop fucking cheating for like, like, come on yeah. jesus I wish, christ i wish and hope um one thing <sighs> i think about tivit being in my number one position and i'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what the both of you think about this mm-hmm. um and keep in mind that i have an anxiety disorder okay. uh i think that <laughs> tivit is sort of uh like tentatively number one i think that uh like much like winota uh, maybe not to the same degree but i think that tivit could be controlled better in the meta with a meta shift. I think that there are certain things that people could do with their deck building and like uh, playing philosophies that could sort of absorb Tibbet a little bit better. But I think that people uh, continue to play poorly into it. But I'm interested to hear I, what y'all think about that because you definitely have more experience playing more people on the deck. Yeah, as as someone who can never get away with playing Tibbet, right? Like it's mm-hmm. never like a people let me have shit and so yeah. like I'm, I'm never gonna have the the pulse on like what people are letting people get away with right because i'm never allowed to get away with fucking anything in this format right uh but like what i've noticed is that because once again war three right it's mm-hmm. it's a real thing and it's pain in the ass uh and then on top of that tivit has a really good like half of my coaching sessions are like okay these are what i call the mini tivits right and i go through all of the different cards in the deck that are not tivit that you can play that still accrue value, right? Your one rings, your Rhystic mm-hmm. Studies, your Esper Sentinels, yep. your Dothy Voidwalkers, your Ranger Captain Devios. And if you notice, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> right? There are all of these little cards that are just like value engines that get you to this insane consistency engine payoff mm-hmm. that is Tivit, right? And because of that, it's like, how do you attack a deck that has so many different axes to which you can just pivot, right? Right. It's As definitely very notable. Where people can just be like, "Oopie doop, Kawanoda," and you're yeah. like, "All right, thank you." There exactly. was a player it's who's about to combo uh, right now. That diversification <laughs> of different value engines is really important because, yeah, it's not the same thing. Where um, I think, like, when I look at the deck and I think about the things that made me initially really excited about the deck, things like Graph Digger's Cage and things like Curse Totem, mm-hmm. pieces that are really hateful to a large part of the meta that yeah. are like sort of underplayed and undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe there are some of those out there, and I think that board wipes is part of that equation of like a board wipe is very good against the average tivit board generally. 
Um, but you're right. There are there's enough diversification between the different value engines that you can have that it makes yeah. it not just a one card answer for sure. And yeah. the crazy part is like Tibbet plays board wipes too, right? Like yeah. yes, exactly. I don't really care about my board that much. Sometimes you'll hit my hate bear that I was like, ah, that was kind of helpful. But then it's like, oh no, now I have all these Esper spells. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like how yeah. do you hate this deck? It's collector roof or bust, right? Like, yes. Uh, Doxide extortionist will make me sad, but not 100% that is true. sad. That's why blind obedience exists, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very much so. I, I learned yeah. my lesson going off and on that card. <laughs> I, I just, I've had so many games with Tivit where I can sit down, look at the board, look at my position in the table and go, okay, this is the game plan we're doing. And mm-hmm. there, there have been games. I, I had this in uh, the game. I should have one uh, at chaos, but that's a, it's whole other story. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, the uh, like, they were just like, I was going last and they're just like, Oh wow. You've like, not played any artifacts and i'm like okay well there's been a mystic remora a rhystic study uh another mystic remora like i know where i'm at at this table and i know that i'm playing a long game and i'm not going to just feed your dock sides so like they had there were dock sides in that game that were only for like three mm-hmm. mana at points mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i was just like yeah like you, sometimes that deck if you you just kind of sit on cards and you're just kind of like all right well I'm just gonna sit here for a minute and let things play out and I'm gonna hold up this man train and <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely another one of those decks that plays extremely well if you can play it patiently. Yeah. I miss Notion Thief. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Orkish Bowmasters has done like two things to the format if you really count it, and like one of them is make Notion Thief unplayable. Oh, and it was yeah. one of my favorite. I'll tell you it, and it's dead. And I I'm know. So All right, that was initially one of my main pulls to it too. I was like, I haven't played a Notion Thief. Since like 2020, I'm definitely you know, so good in the scenario that Cal was talking about, where everyone's just like, "Oh, you're not going to play your mana rocks because you're the mid range deck," and it's like, "Okay, Notion, be fuck off." Like, <laughs> you know, you know what has been good though is Shieldred. I kid you mm. not, I have won so many games with Tivit because of Shieldred. Mm. So because I've been playing a ton of Shieldred and Constructed, and I am now a Shieldred convert. Where yeah. like before, I was like, yeah. "This is obviously a strong Magic card," but like seeing it yeah. and then thinking about it in the context of EDH, where like the average player can't remove a Draineth Magistrate. Right. So if yeah. I have a Draineth Magistrate and a Shieldred, <laughs> yeah, then I'm it's, cooking. Yeah. My experience with playing Shieldred is nobody can remove it, and yep. people just sit there and they're like, "Oh, I'm at four life now," and you're just mm-hmm. like, "Yeah." It, it, it ta- and people don't think it like people don't really think about it at first because it's like oh it's just yeah. two man or two life exactly and like mathematically yeah. 40 life two damage it's not a whole lot but it adds up so quickly when it's mm-hmm. yeah. i've got timna draws uh <laughs> things yeah. like that yeah. well most people to be fair start the format at like 30 life right like <laughs> if we're talking about like the fetch shock mana base yeah. and like all, all these things and and you know your imperial seals and all that in the garbage right yeah. like it it's one of those things that i i think uh, honestly ian try switching out shielded for notion thief and i think you would like it a lot it plays really well in that slot. i had notion thief a while ago um, yeah i agree yeah but same i think i still got karn the great creator though so maybe that's my four drop mm, yeah well that's so this is one of the interesting parts of, uh, this is turning into a tivit podcast but uh, uh the the karn slot's always weird for me because i'm always like i i don't want to ever leave back tivit but it's such a good protector of karn yeah you know? mm-hmm. i I feel fine leaving back to the, especially now that I'm on uh, what's it called the 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 channel enchantment. Um, 
uh, touch, touch, the touch of the spirit realm. realm. I I have that I've found that that card has made me not as aggressive with swinging to it, and it's mm-hmm. been to my benefit a lot because I can just I it, it that card makes me play more controlly, and every time I play a card that makes me play more controlly, I play better in that deck. So <laughs> I feel the same way. It's one of those decks where like I looked at it, the pieces all made sense to me when I started playing it. I was like, these game plans make sense to me. They just instantly fit like a glove where I was like, I really understand what the game plan is again, because it's quite simple. Like obviously you just want time sieve, but yep. it also like navigating different board states. Mm-hmm. It just feels really simple because the deck is just full of answers. It's got a really good yeah. array of answers for the most common things in the format. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that's our, that's our top 10. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if people who are a fan of our podcast and don't know who you are, uh, where can folks find you out there on the interwebs? Uh, well, thank you so much for having me on. This was a ton of fun. Very much enjoyed this discussion. This was very fun. Um, if people want to find me on the internet, you can do it by finding me on Twitch. I am there live every Saturday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern playing mostly CDH, but sometimes uh, some legacy, vintage, other eternal formats. And you can find me on YouTube as well. I put out edited CDH gameplay videos as well as philosophy and learning documents. Uh, yeah. And thank you again so much for having me. This was a great time. Yeah. Dan is. And if you want to see Dan on new episodes of the Slurpcast, you can check those out every Thursday night at the Slurpy. Yeah. Hour. Me and Ian are going to record the Slurpcast right after this. <laughs> so find me uh, on Apple, uh, Apple podcasts. <laughs> With wild uh, cherry Spotify. Dave. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, so uh, as far as things that we're going to be at over the next few weeks and events that we have going on in, uh, you and I are going to be this week, coming weekend are going to be in Columbus with Tyler uh, at SCG Columbus. So you can catch us mm-hmm. there. Uh, we will be playing in the tournament, though. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much. Uh, we're gonna have our gamer goggles on for sure we're gonna be going hard gamer mode uh but i'm super excited because i'm going to be playing in my hometown so uh mm-hmm. I, I it's a little bit of a homecoming for me uh i would like to know for the listening can... audience that ian really liked the phrase hard gamer mode i could see on space <laughs> that's true <laughs> you got me uh ian as far as events you're gonna be at here in the coming weeks uh what's what's going on on your schedule well, thanks for asking, Callahan. Uh, this weekend, which will be last weekend by the time you hear this, I'm going to be at Festival of Nights, which is an event here in Philadelphia uh, run by Eminence Gaming. It'll be cool. I'll be playing Canon. We'll see what happens there. Then this next weekend, as I mentioned with Cal, we'll be there at SCG Columbus. And then at 9.16, the halfway through the month, uh, Eminence has put on an event called Bonfire, which is sort of like if anyone is at Scrybaby's Fest, but basically it's going to be like a really chill, uh, not like big tournament thing but like uh come you know like walk in the door is free uh there is a side event that i will be like co-sponsoring basically which is going to be like a 60 person cedh tournament that i'll be casting and uh we're figuring out logistics this weekend at festival so i don't know all the details yet uh but it's going to be like a the first ever comedian mtg sponsored tournament which is going to be kind of a cool fun thing going on nice in uh the place where punt city is normally held nice that, that hotel nice uh, oh, there's also a bunch of other TCGs doing side events. So if you're the Pokemon or One Piece and all that shit, that's all. Yeah. Out there. And I, I may be going to that. I'm not sure yet, uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, make sure if you are a Rogside pilot and you need coaching, 
go check out uh, Ian's Patreon where you can go and get mm-hmm. coached. Uh, or if you're a Sadisi pilot and you need coaching, also you could go see uh, Ian's. Uh, <laughs> I did have Lime Blue message me out of nowhere, who is the primer author for Sadisi, and I forgot that I had said that on this podcast. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they said they, they, it was the equivalent of like "fuck you" and your coaching, and I was like, I don't remember what I did to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's nice to know people do listen to the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. No, you'll get, there's no sure sign than hate mail. It, it, it's so fun. It, it, that's, that's one of the things that's been really funny to me is because I'm like, oh man, do people really even listen to my, to the show? And then yeah. like the last month I've just seen like all these rock side people basically like yeah, yeah. literally quoting me from the show and then be like, yeah. wow, look at it now. And yeah. I'm just kind of like, good to know I'm living rent free in your head. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> For clarification, uh, Lime Blue and I are on good terms. It was a shit post. Yeah. This is not like <laughs> <laughs> we'll be ready to burn down my house. Lime like. Blue, that's great. I, I love it. Um, you know, and like I said, Lime Blue, Ian is available for coaching. <laughs> it's true. He's a smart guy. Uh you also offer some other stuff, Ian. What else is available on your Patreon? Oh boy, I come watch the Comedian MTG, largest tournament CDs channel. I don't know why I'm going full Rick and Morty. I no, I was like, why is he talking like oh, this? Boy. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't yeah, know about this wanna... one rick i don't know about this one cal i'm glad you brought it up because i was about to explode <laughs> uh if you want to hear more about the tournament scene than just once a month you should come check out comedian mtg if you want to hear about how i made top 16 with malcolm kettis which is a deck that people weren't even uh, beginning to talk about uh you should come check that out a video that dropped as of the day of this recording last friday about that uh, a lot of cool stuff gonna be breaking down columbus gonna be breaking down night festival of nights uh all all sorts of cedh content especially tournament related you can find it there uh, I've, i have a lot of really cool stuff with the coaching as cal was mentioning um you know one-on-one individual coaching as well as uh, i'm doing some gameplay coaching which i'm still getting details ironed out should have that up and running as of next week which is really cool um and then uh doing some other side projects i have uh a project with uh Charles, the Monoway guy that I'm excited to drop, which is um, it, it, a giant shit post, but I'm really excited. Uh, about that's it. amazing. That's, this is the first spoiler of that that I'm going to I'm very about. excited <laughs> about this. Uh, as far as supporting me and uh, us here at the Mind Sculptors, you can mm-hmm. go uh, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the Mind Sculptors where you can uh, get access to the Discord server. Uh, I do want to give a major shout out to Just Ice for uh, subbing this month. Uh, It was really awesome. And uh, we're trying to get more people in there so we can be more active. I I, I noticed the uh, activity died down considerably when uh, Phoenix kind of stepped back from magic. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we should probably figure this out. Um, So we're we're trying to be more interactive in that server. So please come check it out. Uh, you can also, if you want to support the show, go check out dragonshield.com and the link in the description. Uh, that goes straight and helps us out. What I've been using on my cards for eight fucking years. Uh, with that being said, uh, from everybody here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan. We'll see you next time. 
I am also Ian. Goodbye. <laughs> I am also Callahan. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>